You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, hello again. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Judges in the Old Testament, chapter 16. Again, studying the life of Samson over the last couple of weeks. Pastor Todd did an incredible job. Great sermon uh, last Sunday. If you missed it, you can check it out online. Uh, recently, uh, my wife and I, we watched a, a movie called First Man, and it was a movie about Apollo 11 and, and Michael Collins, Buzz Aldrin, and um, Neil Armstrong, the, the first uh, team to actually land and walk on the moon uh, on July 29, 1969. And as Armstrong stepped off of the shuttle, you guys remember that famous line that he shared. You remember that quote? It's, One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Oh, what a... What a solid statement. I mean, I'm sure he practiced that and and he was prepped for that, but I love that statement and and I want to kind of jump onto that statement today and and hopefully from from this point further, you're going to hear that statement and it's going to remind you of what we're going to talk about today because, you know, the the, the reality is it wasn't, you know, we we celebrate that that first step on the moon, but you guys know this. The, the reality is that it took thousands, if not millions, of other steps for that first step to become a reality, right? It took thousands of steps for the engineers to be able to, to, to you know, make it a possibility. It took all of these other astronauts to you know, pave the way, risk their lives, some of them even giving their lives in order to, to make that a reality. And so the millions of dollars that the U.S. had to pour into um, the, the program, and, and so millions of steps prior to that first step. And, and this is true in your life as well. I mean, every single one of you have accomplished something great. You've celebrated something great. Uh, for maybe you graduated from college, and, and it, it, was, it was lots of steps that led to that big day where you celebrated your degree, or, or perhaps it was, you know, you got a new job, or, you know, perhaps you got, you know, a new customer, you landed the new deal, and, and so these are great things that you celebrate, but they took thousands of little steps in order to get to that big step. Now, the same can be said about major failures in our life. You see, the, the reality is a huge failure in life doesn't happen overnight. It actually happens one step at a time, and so we're in this series entitled Wild Soul, and, and uh, this, this is a series where we're looking at the life of a guy by the name of Samson, and he definitely lives out of his wild soul. He makes mistakes. He, time and time again, you know, and, and instead of fulfilling the plan that God has for him, instead of stepping into a, a life of faithfulness, we see him make mistake after mistake after mistake. And so our hope is that we're learning from these mistakes that he has made and and we are moving into the direction of maturity in our lives. And so the same types of mistakes that he has made, the same situations that he has, has gone through is the same kind of thing that you and I struggle with in our life as well. That just kind of begs the question, how though? How does this guy who has so much potential, he has so much leadership ability and skill, he's got so much strength, how in the world does he ruin his life? And 
The answer is one step at a time. He took one small step for man, and it was one giant leap to major problems. One small step for man ended up becoming one giant leap to major problems. Today we're going to see that as he continues to live out his wild soul, he makes poor decisions, ultimately ending up with his eyes gouged out and handcuffs in jail, humiliated in front of the Philistines. You think, well, what about us? How does this apply? Well, the same thing can happen to you and I in our life today. We don't just experience a major failure in one moment. It has been the culmination of many steps away from God, many steps in our own sin that has led us to these poor decisions and has led us to this you know, major issue, major problem in our life. And so your, your marriage isn't ruined in a day. It's many steps where you walked away from God. And together, instead of stepping towards each other and towards your relationship with God, you've stepped away from each other. Your business isn't ruined in a day. It was several bad decisions financially or moral decisions that led you to your ultimate demise. You see, Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. And so the same can be said about us today. And so we look at chapter 16. I want to start in verse 2. And we want to begin this journey together as we see one of the most popular uh, stories from his life, Samson and a woman by the name of Delilah. Let's look at verse 1. It says, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went in with her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, let us wait till the light of the morning Then we will kill him. Now, let's look at some steps today that Samson has taken that have created this mess, that have created this huge problem in his life. And we want to look at our life, you know, are we taking these same steps? These small steps are going to lead to giant problems. And the first thing that we see here is that Samson feeds his lust. That step towards feeding your your lust is is going to be a problem Ultimately, time and time and time and time again in your life, we see it in his life again today. Scripture says he saw a prostitute and he went to her. Now, Samson sees, as as always is common for him, he sees something that he wants and he takes it. I mean, his lust is there. He goes after it. He sees it. He wants it. He takes it. He doesn't wait. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't, he just jumps right into it. We've seen this over and over and over again in his life. And it's interesting to note that he's in a city named Gaza. Gaza is actually the Philistine capital. He was, it was actually the furthest city in the Philistine country away from his hometown. So it's almost as if every step Samson has taken away from his home, and the further he has gotten away from home, it's the further he gets away from the Lord. And so here he is. He's consistently putting himself in the wrong location, right? Some of you might be doing the same thing, putting yourself in in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what happens when you put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time? 
You, you, you open yourself up to more temptation. You open yourself up to more sin in your life, and that's exactly what Samson does. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He sees a prostitute, and he goes for her. Now, why in the world would Samson put himself in this place, in the enemy territory, the capital city of the Philistines, why would he put himself in this hostile territory? Why would he put himself again with the wrong kind of woman? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you look at him and you think he's either the dumbest guy who's ever lived or he's the most egotistical, I can do what I want when I want and I will figure it out kind of guy we've ever seen in, in our life. Because here he is in hostile enemy territory and, and he's opened himself up to yet again so much trouble. The problem is though for us is that many of us do the same thing every single day. Many of us, every single day of our life, we put ourselves in the wrong situation. We've got a good marriage, we've got a good ministry, we've got good things going on, and we give all of that stuff up for a quick sexual hit or for a quick high or for a quick experience. Men do it all the time. When you go for an interview, you know, to a job, the famous question is, what do you hope to do in the next five to 10 years? Like, what are your future goals? You know, you've all been asked that in an interview or maybe you've hired people and, and, and you always seem to, 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 to ask that question and you don't typically hear people respond to that. Where do you hope to be in five years with the, you know, I'd really hope to be addicted to prescription drugs in about two to three years, hopefully, you know? I really hope by year five, I am done with my marriage. Like, I don't know if I can take it anymore, you know? We don't, we don't typically hear that, right? We don't, we don't say that, but it starts with one small step for a man and one giant leap towards major problems in our life. And as a result of these small steps, it starts with like encountering or, 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 or using over-the-counter drugs. And hey, I start to use those, and now that's not good enough anymore, so I slide into prescription drugs, and then that becomes a habit, and, and now I'm dependent upon that, and now I'm spending a lot of money towards that, and now I'm losing focus at work, and I'm losing production at work, and now all of a sudden I get fired. One small step at a time. No man ever says, I want to trade in my family for a prostitute. doesn't happen like that. But perhaps it starts with following an Instagram model online. And then that opens ourselves up to wanting a little bit more. So now I want to dive into some pornographic websites. And now all of a sudden my, my mind starts objectifying and subjecting, you know, uh, this, this uh, image on women and, and viewing them as, as objects instead of God's children. And, and now all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm feeding my lust a little bit more and a little bit more every single day. And, and it's uh, enough isn't enough. And so I'm going for it and going for it. And now I end up in the wrong city at the wrong time, far from home. Just like Samson. We see a woman. No one's ever going to know. No one's ever going to figure this out. It's just one time. And boom, we set ourselves up for failure. It's one small step for man. It's one giant leap towards major problems in your life. And, 
And so we want to see this for what it is. We want to understand this. We want us to, to be able to not only see it for what it is, but we want to begin to be able to take steps in the right direction today. So the first step, though, that he takes is he feeds his lust. Here's the second step that he takes. He abuses his gifts. He abuses his gifts. What does Samson do next? Well, we already know that Samson is driven by his emotions. So while the Philistines are, are, are waiting for him to come out of his house, he sneaks out under the cover of the night and he goes to the city gates and he literally picks up these city gates, posts and all, and he carries them to the top of the mountain. Now, in my research this week, um, it, it, a lot of commentaries and commentators believe that what we're talking about here is 700 pounds worth of gate, okay? And he walked 40 miles to the top of this hill. Okay, that's like 70,000 steps. Now, why in the world is he doing this? And nobody really knows. Like, why would he do this other than here he is again abusing his gifts? You see, we've seen this over and over and over again in his life. Like, some, you know, perhaps the city gates represent the, sec the security of the Philistines. And so, so Samson is taunting the people, saying, you're never going to be safe as long as I'm around here. And what is, he, what is he doing? I mean, he's essentially just using his strength, his gifts, for his own personal gain. And this is common in his life. Right? He marries the wrong woman to begin with. He, he, he dates and, and, and pursues this idol worshiper, and then he loses a bet, and he gets angry, and he uses his strength to kill 20 people. I mean, over and over and over again, we see him using his strength for his own personal gain, for his own personal use, and, 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 and so we, we see him not taking his vow seriously. His Nazarite vow, remember, I'm not going to drink alcohol, I'm not going to cut my hair, and I'm not going to touch anything unclean. And what does he do? He breaks all three. He doesn't take his, his calling seriously. He abuses his calling. He doesn't take God's plan for his life seriously. He doesn't take his strengths, his, his gifts seriously. So we just see him abusing his gift time and time and time again. Listen, if you want to ruin your life, all the gifts that God has given to you, just use them for your personal gain. You'll ruin your life. It's really easy. Take all the blessings, take your family for granted, take your skills for granted, take your resources for granted, take all of the gifts that God has given to you, use it for your own good, don't use it to bless other people, and, and no doubt about it, you will ruin your life. And, and at your funeral, people will show up, and they will talk about how much you didn't help them, and how much you didn't teach them, and, and how much you really didn't impact their life at all. Well, I know that's not where you want to be. That's why we look at 1 Peter 4.10, which says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Every gift that we have received, Scripture teaches us to use that to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Samson forgot something that some of us forget from time to time. And what we forget is that every single thing that we have today is from God's good grace. Everything that you and I enjoy today, our next breath, our family, our job, every day we wake up in the morning is God's grace in our Life, we cannot abuse it. We cannot abuse this day, this time that God has given to us. Life is so terribly short. Let's continue to read. Look at 
verse four here. Let's see what happens next. After this, it says, we don't know how long it is, but after this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah, love someone at night. Is that, is that how it goes? I don't know. I can't see that name and not think of that radio show. Anyway. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. What's happening here is, is Samson is excusing his sin. Okay, so he's feeding his lust, right? And now he is excusing his sin because yet again, he goes to a woman who he should not be with. Not only does Samson struggle with lust, but not, not only does he like want a lot of women, he chases the wrong kind of women, right? I mean, he's going after an idol worshiper, most likely a Philistine, and he's, again, either the biggest idiot of all time, or he's literally the biggest egomaniac of all time because he can't learn from his past mistakes. His first wife, the prostitute, now here again, we've got three different women there are probably many, many more that he is using and excusing his sin. God had told him, like, look, you're not to marry. You're not to be with this kind of woman. And he doesn't care. He just excuses his sin and it just keeps on going. He's so blinded by his lust. He's blinded by his own talents that he says, I, I guess I'll figure it out. I, I, I see what I want and I take it and then I figure it out. I, I just, you know, I just, I just make sure I, I get through it. I use my gifts and my skills and my strengths, and, and, and I'm able to, to, to move forward. And somebody in the room today is just like Samson. Somebody in here is doing the same exact thing. You continually go after the wrong woman. You continually go after the wrong man. A lot of uh, folks in the room today have excused their sin some of you continually date the wrong guy, continually experience the same problems, and your friends are going, duh, he's the same guy you dated five years ago, same kind of guy you ran after in high school, same kind of guy you ran after in college, and now here you are with the same kind of guy. You continue to choose and go after the same kind of person. If you're not pursuing the Lord, chances are you're going to attract someone who is not pursuing the Lord and then the two of you think you have chemistry in the beginning, and then all of a sudden that chemistry is gone, and now what do you have left? Well, you just have single people problems. Sin, we, we all have that. We all have sinful problems. And we don't know what to do with that when we feel like the chemistry is gone. Well, Samson is here, and he's just excusing his sin. We excuse our sin all the time. Married men, let's think about it for a second. Maybe there's some married guys in the room excusing your sin and, and you're flirting with women at work, or you're flirting with women at church. You say, you know what, well, if my wife would flirt with me, then I wouldn't have to go outside my marriage. If my wife would take care of me, then I wouldn't have to deal with this. If my wife would give me some attention, then I wouldn't have to deal with this. Excusing your sin. Some of you struggle with greed. You tell yourself, you deserve it. No, you don't have the money, but... 
You deserve this. You work really hard, and, and it's a no-interest, money-down kind of deal, and so I'm just going to splurge. Everybody else in my situation would do it, so I'm just going to do it, excusing your sin. This might be wrong, but it's not a big deal. I'm just going to go for it. It's just one drink after work, right? Yeah, I know. It usually turns into four, five, maybe six. But it's not that big a deal. I can deal with it. I can handle it. I, I need to unwind myself. And so here we are. You and I are masters at making excuses for our sin. We're masters at it. And if you allow yourself to take that step and excuse your sin, it's one small step for man and one giant leap to big problems in your life. Back to Samson here. So what happens? Well, I'm going to summarize the next few verses here. Samson um, uh, uh, the Philistines make the offer. Here's 1,100 pieces of silver we're gonna give to you, Delilah. Uh, all you have to do is figure out where the source of his strength is so that we can subdue him, it says. Essentially, they want to humiliate him. That's their, that's their motive here. And so she agrees to this. And so she begins to ask, if you look at verse six again, it's, it's mind-blowing. She asks Samson, where does your strength come from? Hey, Samson, where does your strength come from? And let's just say, hypothetically, somebody wanted to subdue you. Like, what should they, he or she do to do that? I mean, that'd be like, that'd be like us going to Kim Jong-un and like, hey, Kim, like, I know you've got some nuclear warheads around here. Let's just say, hypothetically, there was a country that wanted to denuclearize them. Like, where would we go? Maybe the northern side or would that be the southern side? What do you think? I mean, you read this, and I just think, this, is, this, is, this guy is crazy. This guy is so full of himself that he literally hears what her plan is. And, and you know what I think he's thinking? <laughs> I'm going to deal with it, man. She can't break me. I don't care if she finds out. I don't care if the whole world knows. I can handle it. I can deal with it. Sound familiar? I can deal with it, man. I'm just going to lie my way out of it. I'm just going to figure it out. I'll just get a new job. I'll just move. I'll just find a new woman. I'll figure it out, man. Nobody can stop me. And that's essentially, I think, the attitude that, that he's running into here. He's so blinded with arrogance that he's literally able to flirt with disaster here. You remember in the Bible a story uh, about a guy named Joseph? In the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, he's in there, and he's a great leader. The Bible says that he is, is actually a good-looking guy, and uh, he's actually working at this high-ranking official uh, in, in, in Egypt, whose name is Potiphar. And um, because Joseph is a really good leader, and because uh, evidently he was a good-looking guy, Potiphar's wife notices him. And so the, the Bible says that she continually offers herself to him sexually, and he denies it, and he refuses it, right? And then one day, she makes it to where all the servants in the household are actually gone, so it's just the two of them, and she goes, and she takes him by the shirt, and she says, go to bed with me. You remember what Joseph did at that time? Anybody? Huh? He ran! I mean, what great advice. Some of you came here today to hear this. There is a woman in your life. You know, you know, she is not the right woman for you. The Bible says there are some people in our life that you need to run from. Joseph, tucktail man, and he was out of there. He ran. 
There's a guy, ladies, that you just need to run away from. Stop flirting with disaster. Stop saying, I can figure it out. Stop excusing your sin. Stop saying, it's not a big deal. It's one small step that is leading you to a giant problem in your life. I think it's interesting as well. He's asking, or she's asking, where does your strength come from? Where does your strength come from? Because obviously, she can't tell. And, and so I know when we watch movies and Hollywood kind of depicts Samson as this big, you know, jacked up on steroid guy that kind of looks like me, you know. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> so, so I don't think that's how he looked at all. I think he was an average, normal looking guy. And, and so it was when the Spirit of the Lord When the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he had strength. That's where his strength came from. Had he been this massive, you know, Dwayne Johnson, the rock-looking guy, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, well, of course he can pick up the city gates and take him up to the top of the hill. Look how big he is. But no, that's not how it works. Here's a normal, average-looking guy, and he has this supernatural strength. Where in the world does it come from? Well, obviously, it can only come from God. And so her first attempt here, she says, okay, tell me. And he says, well, Seven bowstrings. If I'm tied up with seven bowstrings, then, then my, I'll be weak. I'll be like another man. And, and so guess what happens? He falls asleep. Uh, she ties him up with seven bowstrings, and then she wakes him up and says, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he jumps up, and he breaks them, and then he escapes. This happens time and time again. She asks him again. He said, actually, it's new ropes. If you tie new ropes onto me, then I will be subdued. So she ties him up with new ropes, and again, she wakes him up and says, the Philistines are upon you. He jumps up, he breaks the ropes, and then he escapes. Now, the third time, she starts really complaining. You know, how, how can you make me look like a fool like this? You're, you're making me out to look like an idiot. You're mistreating me. You say you love me. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. So here's the deal. You gotta put my hair in a weave, and you gotta braid it up a certain way, and then I'll lose my strength. And so he falls asleep. She braids his hair with the, in the weave of whatever that is and, and then uh, wakes him up and says, the Philistines are upon you. And he jumps up. He takes the, the braid out and he jumps up and he escapes. And so let's pick it up in verse 15 to see what she says next. She's had enough, okay? Verse 15, and she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. There's some husbands in the room that are like, oh, preach it, brother. I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. He was vexed to death. Verse 17, and he told her all his heart. And he said to her, a razor has never come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. Well, we see here that this time she can tell 
that he's telling the truth. This time, he has shared all of her heart. She says, how can you say this? How can you say you love me and, and, and not tell me the truth? So she gives the guilt trip on him. She, he, he tells her the truth. And for the very first time here in verse 16, something interesting happens. We see Samson actually saying and admitting and embracing his calling as a man of God. He is saying that I am set apart from God from birth. And he says, if, I, if my hair is cut, then I will lose my strength. It's interesting that finally we see Samson come to terms with who he is, who his true identity is. And this time she knows he has shared his heart. For so long he'd abused his gifts for so long, he'd abused his calling. He's dismissed his vow. He hasn't taken it seriously. He hasn't pursued it at all. And now it feels like he's coming to terms with it. But in essence, he's still abusing it because, I mean, come on. She's going to use it against you, right? Of course she is. But he doesn't care. Why? Blinded by lust, pride, arrogance, you name it is feeding his soul, and he feels like it's not a big deal. I can fix it. I can handle it. I can handle going out with my friends when they get drunk. I won't do it. I can handle it. I can handle it. It's just another pill. I'm not going to deal with Just a girl that I'm just being friends with. I can handle it. I'm not, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal because what Samson finds out is that the plot to subdue him actually works this time. He's blinded but it actually works. Pick up in verse 20 and 22. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke. She had cut his hair as he was asleep. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at all the other times and I will shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in prison. See, the Philistines arrived. She woke him up. She said, the Philistines are upon you. He jumps up like he had the last three times. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do what I've done all along. I'm going to shake myself free. I'm going to do what I've always done. I see what I want, when I want it, I go after it, and then I get in trouble, I deal with it, I figure it out, and I move on, I don't care, I don't care about other people, I don't care about my calling, I don't care about sin, I don't care about anything other than what makes me happy, when it makes me happy, how it makes me happy, and I'm just going to do what I want, when I want, how I want to do it, but this time it catches up to him. Overnight, his life is transformed, but it didn't happen overnight, did it? You know that not to be true. You know that it was one small step for man and one giant leap to major problems in his life. And as a result, his eyes are gouged out. He's taken to prison and he grinds flour in the prison mill. You see, it happens all the time. I see guys, they get caught in a lie with their wife. What do they say? I, I'll do what I've always done. I'll go out just like the other times. And I'll act like I'm really, 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 really sorry this time. And, and I'll give her the spiel. And I'll hug her. And I'll kiss her. And I'll say it'll never happen again. And I'll smooth it over. 
But guys, there is something about a woman that at some point she will finally say, enough is enough. Either God will say, she will say, or something will say, enough is enough. It's not going to work anymore. You can only lie for so long before you're caught. You, 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 can, you can only weave that web of deception for so long before God exposes your sin. And this is where Samson is out. Step four, as we move away from God, is that you lose your freedom. That's what happened to Samson. He lost his freedom. You say, well, I don't want to lose my freedom. I want to excuse my sin. I want to feed my lust. But I'm not going to take that step. I'm not going to take the step of losing my freedom, Trent. Here's the deal. By the time you get to step four, it's, it's not your choice. By the time you get to step four, your freedom is taken from you. And every man in the room needs to hear this today. It is one small step that seemingly does not look like a big deal but you compound those steps and it leads to a major problem in your life. Samson claimed that he'd be as weak as another man if his hair was cut, but here's what he didn't realize. He was already as weak as any other man. Some of you feel like you're strong enough to handle it. Some of you feel like you're strong enough to deal with it, but you're just as weak as any other man in the room. He'd lived his life his own way, done whatever he wanted to do. And in a moment in his life, everything that he had was taken from him. And in a moment, the man called by God to lead his people out of captivity is broken down into the lowest possible imaginable position. You know, what's interesting about the name Delilah uh, is that a lot of commentators believe that it comes from a Hebrew word means, that means entangled. And so here we have this idea of, of this woman who will entangle. And the word ambush is used three different times in this chapter as well. And that Hebrew word means to tie up in knots. To tie up in knots. Entangled. And tie up in knots. So Samson is tied up two times by Delilah and then finally tied up by the Philistines. But ultimately it was he who tied himself up in knots with all the many poor decisions and sinful acts that he led himself to. Small steps to giant problems don't happen overnight. Samson's been taking these steps for years, feeding his lust, abusing gifts, excusing sin. If you take those steps, you will eventually lose your freedom. And some of you are on the same path as Samson. You're taking the same steps. You're taking the same ideas and concepts. And if you are not careful, God will deal with you. So here, here's the reality. So what do we do? If you realize that, man, I'm stepping away from God, I'm stepping away from God, what do we have to do? Well, several things. The first thing I would say is you gotta turn around. The Bible calls this repentance. To repent means to turn around. I'm, I'm living my life for myself, excusing my sin. I'm feeding my lust. Bible says to turn around. Here's what it says in Acts 2, 38. Peter's preaching to this crowd. And he said, someone says, well, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of you got to turn around. Got to turn around from your life of sin and, and repent, change. Turn from your lifestyle of sin and repent. And begin to take steps towards faith. The second thing that I would say that you've got to do is you've got to admit your sin. You have to admit that you're in sin. Samson was unwilling to do this. 
Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Some of you have never done that. You've never confessed that you're a sinner. Yeah, you've been sorry for things that you've done, but you've never told God that I am confessing as a sinner right here, right now. I'm admitting my guilt and I am turning away from this lifestyle of sin and I am turning to you, Jesus. The third step is to live for Jesus. To live for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died, Jesus died, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for who? Him. See, that's the key. Some of you have said you're sorry. Some of you have felt guilty. You've told God maybe a hundred times that you're sorry for something. You just go right back out and live however you want to live. But you've never actually lived your life for Jesus. There's never been a switch in your life where you have stopped living for yourself and you've said, okay, you know what? I'm actually going to live my life for Jesus. See, that's way different. That's two different paths. That's two different lifestyles. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never lived your life for Jesus. And some of you are perhaps thinking, you know what, I've just messed up too much. I've messed up too much. There's too much going on in my life. There's too many mistakes in my life. And I don't think God can do anything in my heart or in my life any longer. But in the end, in the end of, of Samson's life, he's without strength, he's without dignity, he's without sight, he's without freedom. Listen, he's without God, but for Samson, there will be grace in the end because that's our God. That's our God. He may look like he is down and out, but God is not finished with him yet. If you look at verse 22, closes the section in the passage of this story and it says but the hair of his head began to grow again dun 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 tune in next week as God takes a broken down messed up life and begins to transform it because I don't care who you are or what you've done God's not finished with you yet what started with God's vision for Samson has ended with no vision. Literally, he's blind. He can't see. He's in jail. But even at that, God's not finished. God's not finished with you, man. It's not over. Life's not over. Your career might be in bad shape. Your marriage might be in bad shape. Life may feel like it is in bad shape. I can tell you that my life at this moment is not so hot. Our family just continues to go through a lot, of, a lot of turmoil. My sister is in ICU, been there on a ventilator now for almost three weeks. It's bleak, and it's emotionally draining. And some of you just, week in and week out, feel that same drain. But I'm here to tell you that there is hope in the gospel. 
and that the good grace of God, no matter what you face, is available for you. He's not finished. He's not done. He's still working. But if you're going to be like Samson and you're going to continue to follow your path and your plan and do what you want, it will ultimately end in ruin. I want to ask you to bow your heads. just wonder if there's someone in the room here today that would say that Trent and I have experienced a lot of different things, man, but I have never really, I've never really lived my life for Jesus as you just kind of explained. And today I, I, I believe I'm ready to do that. Something today was different in my heart. Something today was different. And today I, I, I need to make that decision to, to give my life to Christ, to live my life for him. By show of hands, would anybody just lift your hand up and put it back down? Anybody at all say that, that would be you today? Anybody? I'm looking, I don't see anybody. Anybody just lift it high so I can see? How many of you would say that I've given my life to Christ, but Trina, I've taken some, some steps away from God and today, I feel that God is drawing me back to his plan for my life. How many of you would say, that's me today, Trent. Could you pray for me? Lift it up. Hi, I see you. Praise God all over. Let's end this way then today, since that's where a majority of you are. Let's end this way with the prayer of, 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 of commitment to God. First of all, coming to a place to where you would admit your sin, coming to a place where you would, would stop excusing that sin, a place where you would say, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm yet again here, God, I'm turning towards you, turning towards you, turning away from whatever sin I'm struggling with, admitting that, I'm recommitting that I'm going to live my life for you. Let's, let's tell him that today. Would you just begin to pray and tell him that, God, I commit my way to you. Whatever sin is in your life, co commit it to him. Confess it to him. God, forgive me for this sin. Forgive me for this. I turn away from this today, God. Strengthen me. I want my steps to be in line with your will, God. I want to live my life for you, Jesus, because you change everything. And we want to rally around that idea that you are changing everything today. Father God, you know the hearts and the issues. Lord, would you draw us to your throne? Would you move in our hearts? God, encourage us today to take that step, whatever it might be, turn us around from a path of destruction, of ruin, and let our small steps lead to giant maturity. May we be faithful to you in this moment, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's worship him today. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.